This is crazy, everybody. This is my podcast, Moments with Martha. I can't believe I have a podcast, and I am your host, Martha Nino. Now, you might be asking, who in the world is Martha Nino? Well, I'm a Mexican-born USA adopted human. I've also had the great fortune of working in the Silicon Valley many, many, many years, actually 20 years plus. Wow, that's a long time. I've been in mobile. I've been in hardware. I've been in software. I've been in the business of selling boxes. I've been in the business of selling clouds. I'm still in the business of selling clouds. I am so grateful. But that's the work version of myself, the LinkedIn version of myself, if you will. The real story of me actually started many years before that. I kept that story silent and hidden because my story was actually taboo. You see, how could it not be? People like me were not supposed to be in the places I've been at, but there I was. Now, there I am minding my own business at my Silicon Valley job one day, and I get an email and it says, if you'd like a chance to speak in a large conference, we're giving away eight spots to the top stories. Please submit your story of diversity and inclusion and we'll see if you get selected. Please submit by X date. So I thought about that. That was crazy ask for a company, but I've always wanted to speak. And so I thought about what if I did submit? What would I say? What was I comfortable feeling? Diversity, inclusion? Well, I'm very diverse. I am from Mexico and I've always been included. I did have a story, but the real story was painful. It was sad. It was taboo. I was ashamed of it. And for many years, 20 years plus, I hid it. But I started thinking about it and I noodled around a couple of days. I spoke to a couple of friends and actually I thought about my two daughters and what advice I'd give them. And in that moment, I hit enter to my submission. Now, the company I work at, it has 22,000 people you know, what are the chances of them picking me, right? So I waited a month and I waited another month and I heard nothing. And I thought, okay, that's the end of that. And wouldn't you know it, one day I get a note saying you've been selected. What? I've been selected? Now what the heck did I do now? What did I do? I couldn't believe it. That meant that I would have to actually speak about diversity and inclusion. And my version of what that meant to me what did I do? And in that moment, it started the whole process of writing my story and being comfortable with what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. And I basically spoke to every mentor that I've ever had and talked to anybody that had ever spoke and received feedback from anybody that I could because I signed myself up for something that I, in my head, I always wanted but in reality was the scariest thing I've ever done. But I did it. And that day on that stage changed my life. And here's the story. Hi, everybody. My name is Martha Nino. Never in a million years did I ever think that my personal life and my professional life would collide together with such force. I had to speak. I was giving a tour of the Adobe Towers about a year ago to a group of underprivileged kids from a nearby agricultural town. Now, I love doing these tours. I mean, these tours typically end with sparkles in people's eyes and smiles. 
And there was some of that, but there was also a couple faces of defeat, believe it or not, even some tears. Okay, that's not how my tours end. What was going on? What was happening? And I realized real quickly that these kids didn't think that kids like them can be at places like this. I'm a Mexican immigrant, and this is my story. I was born in central Mexico in a grass shack with no electricity, no doctor. Mom went to school till sixth grade, and dad, orphaned at eight, barely made it past third. My parents picked cotton for a living, and they traveled from farm to farm picking this cotton, but needless to say, it wasn't enough. They needed to do something different. They needed to take a risk. So they made a decision. They were going to come up to El Norte, to the USA. They said goodbye to their loved ones, not knowing when or if they'd see them again. They packed one change of clothes in a bag, because that's all they had. They took off. They said goodbye. I was just a baby. First thing first, get to California. Now, this trip was dangerous. And with a child, even worse. They weighed their options and decided they would travel by foot along the border hills and beaches of Mexico while I would cross the border in a car with a stranger that wasn't my mother. Now look at my mother's hands. Imagine handing over your little child to a complete stranger and hoping everything would be okay. That's what my parents did. Is the situation so bad in Mexico that you'd hand your child to a complete stranger and hope everything would be okay? It is for the poor. My parents laid low, they did what they were told, and they stayed quiet. We settled in Fremont, California, not too far from here, in a one-bedroom, graffiti-painted duplex home, and my parents took any work that would come their way. That's what they were here to do. Years passed, and they started losing hope of ever going back home, and they immersed themselves the best they could, and they struggled. They struggled with English. As a matter of fact, English was risky. Any sound of an accent would be a dead giveaway that you were not from here, and that could earn you a nice trip back home, and they were not having any of that. So at five years old, I became the family translator. And I translated everything from conversations to documents, even doctor's appointments. And I'm going to tell you a story about a doctor's appointment. By this time, I had two younger brothers, and we're at the doctor's appointment. And I'm there with my mother, the doctor, my two brothers. And the doctor turns to me and says, tell your mother you have chicken pox. Okay. Chicken, I knew. Pock, pock, pock. But what in the world is pox? I was in kindergarten, they hadn't taught me that. <laughs> it sounded like pop, like popcorn, which makes a jumping movement. And I, say, I turned to my mother, and like a spotted superhero, I said, Mama, tenemos gallinas brincando. I'll translate, I'll translate. Mom, we have jumping chickens. <laughs> English is hard sometimes. And that one-bedroom home became the home to many looking for a better home over the years. I can recall nine of us sleeping in that one-bedroom home at one time. And it took more than 10 years for us to get a green card, but this was our home now. At 14, my mom got me a job working with her in a warehouse. She managed two shifts. She had to. 
She managed the day shift, and she managed the afternoon shift. I worked alongside her. Honestly, I was pretty bad at this job. I like was really, really bad at the job. And the owner of the company took notice, and she nicely said, "Honey, come with me to the front of the office. Help me file." All right. Oh, by the way, you could say "honey" back then. <laughs> I helped her file. Help me organize. I helped her organize. Answer the phones. I did everything she wanted me to because I didn't want to go back to the back. My first mentor's name was Beth, and she took me under her wing for years. She didn't care what I looked like; she just didn't want me to fail. My parents were proud. You see, I wasn't in the back anymore; I was in the front. Work was good, but school not so good. Now, my high school years were not the same as most. I worked; I worked a lot, and I had zero. Zero concept of college. There was no college examples in my family. Only a lot of laborers. So I worked a lot, and my grades took a hit. And this next part I'm going to tell you, I've been embarrassed of for years. But the first day of my senior year, I was kicked out of school for low grades, some tardies. There was even a nice little note in my file that said I was a bad influence. Do I look like a bad influence? They thought so. They didn't even ask me why I was struggling. My dad had been diagnosed with cancer that year prior, and I needed to help. Not working was not an option. I arrived at that school for bad kids, and there was kids there with deep issues: homelessness, drugs, pregnancies. Every 1980s movie stereotype you've seen was there, and I was there too. We were not bad kids. We were just in bad situations that can't be fixed with a detention or a quick talk. We were just kids. A counselor met with me a few days after and said, "What are you doing? How's it going?" I said, "Oh, fine." He says, "Why are you here?" And I said, "Well, you know, detentions, grades." No, no, no. Why can't you complete assignments? What's going on? Why can't you make it to school? And he got so serious with me, and I've never seen this in anybody. And I wish I could remember his face or his name, but I realized nobody had ever asked me why. We talked for a while, and after a while, he realized that I was working a lot. There was no way that I can do everything at one time. He didn't want me to fail, though. And he came up with a plan. He said. If you can do all of this in four months—and by the way, all of this was a whole year's worth of work—in four months, you can go back to your high school. I said, "Why would I want to go back? They didn't want me." <laughs> well, although nobody had ever told me to graduate, remember it was all about all about work. I wanted to. I didn't want to be written off. I almost wanted to prove that they had made a mistake, but this would require me to stop working, and that was different. But I talked to my amazing boss Beth, and she says, "Why don't you work extra on the weekends?" All right, I'll work extra on the weekends, and I took any extra work I can get. And for four months, I don't think I slept. I went to day school, night school, sideways school, whatever kind of school I could. And by winter. 
I was back to Washington High School in Fremont, California, and I graduated my class that year. After I graduated, I went right to working, of course, and I sprinkled college wherever I could. But that company I loved so much was losing profits and needed to move their manufacturing over to Mexico. And the owner of the company, Beth, asked me, "Why don't you come and help me out in Mexico?" Funny, because I've been trying to work in the U.S. all this time. And <laughs> I thought about it. I was 19, and that would have been an amazing adventure. But my dad had just died, and I promised him that I would help out with the family. I wouldn't let him down. So I stayed back. And can you believe somebody during this time tried to guilt me into going, saying, "What else did I know how to do? I didn't know what else I knew how to do, but I knew I could get through it." So for years, I had so many work adventures, some good, some bad. The good. The Silicon Valley was here, and there was buildings popping up all over the place. And can you believe I entered this crazy tech world completely sideways? Perhaps accident, perhaps fate. There's amazing, smart, fun people in tech. Yeah, take it. <laughs> I was hooked. I was hooked. But a lot of you had degrees. I noticed that after a few years, and I thought about it. And I wanted one too. I didn't want that to be a barrier, but that would again require me to stop working. So I left my job. I needed to make up a whole year's worth of schoolwork, but I only had six months worth of money. So six months was really what drove my plan. And for six months, I don't think I slept. And I went to day school, night school, sideways school, whatever kind of school I had to do. But before long, I was done. I was back in tech. This time, all boxes checked. Now I've been in tech almost 25 years, and although I didn't get here conventionally, I'm right here. I've had an amazing life in this country, and although I didn't get here conventionally, I'm right here. I was born in a grass house with no electricity, no running water. My parents picked cotton. And my mom, who's here today, she's right there. She handed me over to a complete stranger, and hoped that I'd have a better life. Mama, esto es mejor. Mom, this is better. And Dad, everything is okay. Now there's millions of these stories, millions of stories of underprivileged kids, like the kids I gave that tour to at Adobe not so long ago. You don't hear them because we're scared, we're embarrassed. Maybe we don't think we stand a chance. Maybe we've been taught to lay low and be quiet. I've had mentors. I've had believers. I see some of you here today, and I know some of you are watching. The beauty of all of you is that you don't look like me. Look like you, 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 you. The only similar thing with all of you is that you're good. You're good. 
You answer my texts, my request for coffee. You're there. You don't care what I look like. You gave me an opportunity. Let's do more of that. Let's do more of that. Now, it's been a dream of mine to speak. This is the first time I'm doing it, by the way. <laughs> I've been scared. Maybe I didn't think I was good enough. Today, I'm pushing through scared, and dang, it feels good. I'm grateful. I will not lay low anymore. <laughs> I will speak. My name is Martha. I'm a Mexican immigrant, and I am proof that with an opportunity and with good people, people like me can be at places like this. Thank you. Gracias. And that moment on that stage changed my life. How could it not? I was a complete butterfly with wings and all. That shame I carried my whole life was gone. That heavy silence I've been carrying my whole life was gone too. I was free. I was light. I felt amazing. I was accepted. I was 100% me at home and now is 100% me at work. I was complete. The intimidation I felt once by not having what others had, gone. I was happy. I am happy. And since that day, person after person has been talking to me about their stories. And so it gave me this idea. Other people need to hear their stories because as hard as they are, With talking, we can open up the door to healing. I know this. So that's what this podcast is about. We're going to talk about hard things in a very casual way because I don't want to do it any other way. Life is stressful enough. And in my particular case, we're going to talk about things in facts. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. I didn't sugarcoat anything on that stage. In my particular case, fact, I was undocumented. Fact, I was kicked out of school. Fact, I lived in poverty. Fact, 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 fact. But the fact of the matter is, I got through it. I overcame with the help of amazing people that have given me opportunity. We need to talk about these opportunities. We need to talk about these amazing people. We need to talk about how we're getting through things. Yep, this is Moments with Martha, and we're going to do this in a very fun way, too. So why don't you join me? Let's have a good time. Peace and love, everyone. Peace.